Well, I'm grateful to be with you here this morning, although preaching on Mother's Day is always awkward for me because, as you probably deduced, I'm not a mom, so I don't know anything firsthand about being a mom. I only know what I see my wife and my mom and other moms do. And, and the thing that I've noticed over the years watching them is that motherhood is incredibly hard. Raising kids as a mom is difficult, no matter what your particular context, what your kids are like. It's always hard. It's so hard, in fact, that it's the subject of its own internet memes. And so here are some of my favorite motherhood memes. (laughs) This one I can testify to, even as a dad, there is nothing like the dreaded knock on the door of the bathroom right as you're about to do your business. That's awful. You know your life has changed when going to the grocery store by yourself is a vacation. (laughs) Moms, I remember the day when I came home from work and volunteered to go to the store for my wife and she said, no, you take the kids. And so she just went on her own to the store. It was wonderful. Texting between mom friends. Mom number one, I'm done. I'm selling the kid on eBay. Mom number two, don't be crazy. You made him. That goes on Etsy. (laughs) We have all been there. We have had those days. My kids totally get along as long as they aren't near each other, looking at each other, playing a game together, getting dressed in the same room, or breathing the same air. They're all good. We're dealing with that at our home right now. My daughter asked me what it's like to have kids, so I interrupted her every 11 seconds until she cried. (laughs) I love when the kids tell me they're bored, as if the lady standing in front of a sink full of dirty dishes is where you go to get ideas about how to have a good time. When I see another mom with her screaming toddler in the store. (laughs) And finally, you're a parent. It is your circus. Those are your monkeys. (laughs) It just is the way it is. Motherhood is incredibly hard. And I can't make that any easier. I can't take away the hardness of it. But I can give you some encouragement this morning. And that's my goal. I want to give you some encouragement from the word of God. Three truths to, to maybe give you some joy and some peace on this day. The first truth that I want you to know from the word of God is that actually God loves Mother's Day. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but there's this wonderful verse in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 23, 25, let your father and mother be glad, let her who bore you rejoice. God is a fan of Mother's Day. He wants us to celebrate moms and moms, he wants you to be celebrated. He doesn't want you to feel any guilt today. Actually, the thing that's interesting is it appears to me from the verse that God would prefer for Mother's Day to be every day because it doesn't say, let her who bore you rejoice on the second Sunday of May every year. It's a constant thing. God wants this to be a normal thing in life that we are celebrating moms. That's the goal. The unfortunate thing is that I've noticed a lot of moms, especially moms of young kids, feel under-celebrated. They feel unappreciated. And the reason is because little kids, let's be honest, a lot of the times they're jerks. They're not very nice. They, they don't say thank you. They don't acknowledge your sacrifice. They take you for granted. They complain. I like to think of it, Julie and I have had this conversation over the years. What would it be like If my boss treated me the way my kids treated Julie when they were around, say, three years old, can you imagine, men, you walk into your boss's office and you brought him a nice hot cup of coffee from Starbucks and he takes it and throws it in your face? Can you imagine that you get a new stapler, you really like your stapler, you set it on your desk and he runs into your office, grabs it and says, mine, mine. You imagine you're on the phone with a client, you're closing a big deal and he screams from the other room for you to come help him wee-wee. And then, 
After you've done all of the insane things he's asked you for, you sit down for your annual performance review and all he can say about you is, why did you make me a chunky peanut butter sandwich? You know I don't like chunky peanut butter. And why is your bottom so big? And that's all you get from him. And that's pretty much what it's like to raise little kids. Moms, you feel unappreciated because we haven't done enough to tell you how much we appreciate your sacrifice. And so for all of us, I hope that today is a reminder that we need to say thank you to moms on a regular basis. We don't need a holiday once a year. This should be a normal thing for us. And so let me speak first to to the dads in the room like me. Husbands, this is actually a great opportunity for us to lead in our homes. For us to be the lead encourager to our wives, to to balance out all the negative messages they get from the world or or from the kids or or from struggles in their own life, we need to be the ones who are, are their number one fans, always encouraging them. I've been convicted this week that I tend to be like most men. I feel like if I've said something, then it's been said. That's not how it works in life. We need to say it often and repeatedly how much we appreciate the sacrifices that our wives are making. Second, let me challenge you who are grandparents. You have a unique opportunity to help in this journey. But to do that, you might have to make a little bit of a shift in your mind. I I want you to think about your primary ministry as a grandparent being your ministry to your kids, not your grandkids. Focus on your kids, on, on lifting them up and helping them as they parent their kids. If there's a conflict, always default to taking your kid's side, not the, the grandkid's side. So be that shoulder that your kids can cry on. Be that encourager who lifts them up. Don't talk about how much easier or harder it was back in your day. Focus on them and on being that strength and that encourager to help them through this journey. Finally, let me talk to you moms. I would encourage you moms to be advocates for one another. There's this sad and unavoidable thing in life. It's called comparison. We tend to compare ourselves to others in our station of life. So dads, we compare ourselves to one another, whether we're measuring up. Moms, you do the same. You look at other moms and think, am I measuring up? And that always creates either pride or despair. It leads to envy. It leads to jealousy. It leads to isolation. It always hurts you. And so I would encourage you to fight that tendency to compare by choosing to be an advocate for other moms. And and it's really important because we've actually found that often it is only another mom who will notice that a mom is drowning. Often, us dads, we we just don't know. Other people, we, we just don't see it. But you who are moms who've been through it, you're the most likely one to notice, hey, this mom, maybe she's dealing with postpartum depression. Maybe this mom is just overwhelmed right now. Maybe there's something here that I can step in and help them. There's a movie put out by HBO, actually a series called Band of Brothers. Follows Easy Company in World War II. A lot of us guys like it. There's a lot of blood, a lot of violence. But the best part about the whole show is that you've got all these men from different backgrounds literally becoming brothers on the battlefield. And ladies, I would encourage you, that's what you need. You need need a band of sisters who fights this battle of raising kids with you. Because it is hard. It's at least as hard as fighting Nazis. Like you have to raise these little lives that are constantly screaming for your intention. You, you need a band of sisters who you can do that with. So my first encouragement for you, know that God loves this day and he actually wants moms to be celebrated and encouraged every day. My second piece of encouragement for you is that what you are doing really matters. And that needs to be said. Some people would say, well, it seems obvious. Well, no, because we live in a culture that doesn't celebrate moms like it does other people. Who is celebrated in our culture? 
all the great athletes, the celebrities, the musicians, the leaders of business and government. That's who gets Oscars. That's who gets Nobel Prizes, not moms. And that's a shame because if you think about it logically, it is the moms who raise up the kids who end up winning those prizes. So let's think about it. Here is a woman you may know, Rosa Parks. One of the great heroes of the civil rights movement. Did so much to help bring our nation's attention to injustice. Who was responsible for Rosa growing into the woman that she was? Well, it was actually largely her mom. You may not know this about her, but she uh, was born to Leona Edwards. Her dad left at an early age, and so Leona raised Rosa pretty much as a single mom. She homeschooled her through 11 years old. She was the one who introduced Rosa to church, where Rosa grew in her faith in God and developed a vision for the civil rights movement. And so it is actually her mom who shaped her into the woman that she is. Here's another example. This is Thomas Edison greatest inventor in our country's history, invented things like the light bulb and a million other things. Who was responsible for Thomas Edison becoming this incredible creative thinker and problem solver? Well, it was his mom, Nancy Edison. You may not know this about Thomas. He was actually kicked out of school as a young kid. They thought that he was mentally incompetent. The reason we know today he had dyslexia, but they didn't know what that was back then. So they kicked him out of school. Society gave up on him, but his mom didn't. And so she actually homeschooled him all the way through. She was the one who taught him how to solve problems, how to think deeply, how to be creative and inventive. She's the reason he became the man that he is. He looked back on his life um, later on after she'd passed away, and he said, my mother was the making of me. She was so true, so sure of me, and I felt I had something to live for. You see that over and over again. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China who opened that country to the gospel. It was his mom who was the primary spiritual influence in his life. John Piper, whose books many of you have read, great preacher, great writer. He says it was his mom who was his primary spiritual influencer. Not that I'm up there with those guys, but I've seen the same thing true in my life. My dad is an incredible role model to me. He's taught me a ton, but when I was growing up, he just wasn't there a whole lot. He was off at work. So who was it that instilled my love for God and my love for his word? It was my mom. It was my mom who patiently, carefully, sacrificially raised me to be the man that I am. The point of all that is to say, moms, what you are doing matters. Who is greater, Rosa Parks or mom? Thomas Edison or his mom? We always celebrate the famous kids we never think back. Behind every famous kid is a faithful mom who watched over him and helped him grow into the man that he is. And so moms, I hope that you know that today. No matter what the world says, even though it tends to not see all that you do behind the scenes, you are doing something that matters. You are raising the next generation of people who will fight for equality, who will advance science, and most important, who will reach the nations with the gospel. A third piece of encouragement for you moms today is that God is bigger than your failures. I still can't believe that they handed me two babies and sent me home from the hospital with no training at all. I had to pass driver's ed to get a driver's license and yet you give me two completely dependent life forms and say, have a nice day. That's crazy. And so it's not surprising, along the way, I have made mistakes and I continue to make mistakes. And as parents, when we make mistakes in our kids' lives, it creates guilt, doesn't it? You you feel guilt. It's one of the things, if you come to my office and you're a parent, I already know about you, you feel guilty. Because we all do. 
parenting guilt is ubiquitous. We make so many mistakes. And, and when we make those mistakes, it fuels guilt and fear in us. So, so we look back at, at our parenting and we think, oh, I yelled at my kids. I, I said things on that day that I can't take back. And we feel so bad about that. Or we look back at how we spent time this last year and we see so much time we spent on our phones and so little time we spent investing in our kids and we feel regret over that. Or we, we didn't protect our kids in the way that we, we could have. We didn't protect them as, as carefully as we should have and they saw something or experienced something awful and we can never get that back. And so we walk around feeling this guilt. And what I've seen is that when parenting guilt goes unchecked, it ends up crushing all joy and hope in your life. And so I want to give you two truths this morning. If you're struggling with guilt... As a parent, two things that you need to know. First, there's no sin God won't forgive. It tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the key word there is all. Not just the small sins, not just the insignificant sins, not just the sins that only affected you, but even the really big sins, the ones that are so big you've never told anyone about them, the ones that hurt your kids, even those he forgives and cleanses you. That's the good news of the gospel. We don't have to earn forgiveness. We don't have to work off our sin. God offers us forgiveness as a free gift and all we have to say is, yes, God, please forgive me, cleanse me, of that sin. And so if you have said to God, yes, God, your son Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead so that I could be forgiven as a free gift, I receive that forgiveness from you. If you believe that and if you've confessed your sins to God, God, I did this wrong yesterday. I, I yelled at my kids, God, I'm so sorry I did that. If you've confessed that sin to God and you still feel guilty, then who's that guilt from? Not from God, it's from Satan. I don't know if you knew this. The word Satan, we think of it as a name. It's actually a word. It means the accuser. That's what Satan does. He accuses. Now who? Does he accuse us to God? Well, I guess, but God's already pretty much figured out the forgiveness thing. He's primarily accusing us to us. He's reminding us over and over and over where we failed so that he can flood our lives with guilt and keep us down. And so if you have confessed your sins and your failures to God and you still feel guilty, you need to know that's not God talking to you. That's the enemy. God wants you to walk in freedom. So the first thing that you need to see is that there's no sin God won't forgive and the result is Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are forgiven and you are free. Second truth that you need to think about is that there's no failure that God can't redeem. Even a massive parenting failure. There's no failure he can't turn towards good. We're told in Romans 8, 28, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. If you love God, then he's promising. Everything in your life, including your sins, including your failures, he can and will work for good for you and for your kids. It's the great thing about God. Our God is really smart really, really smart. And so he knows how to take something bad that we did, some failure, some mistake we've made and work it for good in our lives and the lives of our kids. And why does he do that? Because he loves us. God loves you. And this is important to remember, God loves your kids more than you do. We've got to recognize that. The, the primary lover of our kids is God, not us parents. Why? Because God 
is love. He is the actual definition and source of all love. Whatever love you or I have for our kids is but a pale reflection of his own love for our kids. So God loves our kids more than we do. God is more powerful than us. God is smarter than us. God is better than us. And so whatever mistakes we make, he commits to turn them for good in the lives of our kids. And what that means for you is that you don't need to be afraid. There's so many parents I talk to who are afraid that their mistakes are going to ruin their kids. Man, I I did this wrong. I forgot to do this. I overlooked this. My child is going to suffer for it. No, 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 no. God is bigger than that. You have an all-powerful God who is going to work every mistake for your child's good. And so you need not be afraid. So parents, moms in particular, you don't need to feel fear or guilt today. God wants you to walk in freedom. That's what Mother's Day is a reminder of. You worship a God of freedom. Now, rather than me continue to to talk to you guys, I'd really like to get some perspective from some moms who've been through this before. And so for the rest of the morning, we're going to have a panel discussion. So ladies, I'd invite you to come forward. And guys, if you'd grab some chairs. I've invited some moms here at Southwood to come talk to us about lessons that they've learned. So um, in alphabetical order, uh, we're going to have Sally Colson come up. She's married to Eddie, one of our elders here at Southwood. And Eddie and Sally actually were here the day the doors opened. They've been with us the whole time at Southwood. They are parents of Katie and Scott and grandparents of five-month-old Hayes. Uh, Second, we have Pam Koch. She's my administrative assistant here at Southwood. You'll see her in the front desk. Pam has been married to Koch. It will have been 50 years this August. That's pretty neat to get to hear from Pam today. She has two daughters, Julie and Allison, and they are grandparents of Addie, Zane, Noah, David, Rebecca, Caleb, and Lydia. Next, we have Sarah Moffat, who's married to Steve, another one of our elders here at Southwood. They have three sons, Sam, Eli, and Jude, and one daughter, Gracie May. And finally, we have Kara Tillery, married to Brad, who is part of our skit this morning, mom to Hayden, Ben, Emma, Ellie, and Becca. And so, ladies, we're really grateful to have you with us today. We're going to jump right in. I've I've asked them to, to give us some thoughts, to share with us some stories. Now, the first thing that we, we all do want to say they aren't trying to give you like the one way to raise your kids. There's no one right way to be a mom. It's an incredibly unique thing to each family. So what I've asked them to do is just share some stories and some lessons they've learned in their own individual journey. And my prayer is that every mom here can take away at least one lesson, one idea to try at home. So that's really what this is about. So thank you, ladies, for joining us today. So the first question, and I guess kind of the big one, I've actually asked all of them to take a shot at. What's one important lesson you've learned as a mom that you want to pass on to new moms? So Sally, would you kick us off? Okay, is it on? Is it on back there, guys? Try it again. Testing. Okay, there we go. <laughs> um, let's see. I think that um, I had a tendency to want to um, rescue my kids. I think a lot of women have that tendency, and um, I just urge moms to let them fail and let them fall. And um, let them do that while they're still under your roof. And then you are the safe haven where they can come to and for healing and forgiveness. And um, that would be my... That's great. Kara? 
Um, I, after we had Hayden and Ben, I was pregnant with Emma. And just really a lot of moms, I'm sure, can relate in a survival mode. Um, not really doing what I needed to do to take care of myself or um, our family. And my mom passed away in that time. And I just kind of hit a all-time low, was very depressed and struggling. Um, and through that, I, f- I feel the Lord just showed me that I need to take care of myself um, because if I'm not well, then how can I pour into our kids and be a good wife to Brad? Um, so being proactive in that, in my well-being, and proactive in our marriage, um, those have just been vital for us. That's great. I would say um, I spent a lot of years feeling guilty about what I wasn't doing outside of the home. I've been a stay-at-home mom for 10 years now. And um, Lake's right, the, the pressure of feeling like you need to do more and that raising your kids is not enough. And um, what the Lord's kindly taught me recently is that they are, it is enough. And um, we were reading in a book last night with our premarital counseling couple that the home is a greenhouse for spiritual development. And um, that means that I need to be in God's Word, I need to be in prayer, um, so that I can then pass that on to my kids. And the other thing I would say is... Um, as far as prayer goes, it's overwhelming. I feel like, talk about guilt for not knowing what to pray or not forgetting to pray for his school. And I, Steve and I sat down several years ago and decided we were going to pick a verse for every kid for that year. What we saw the Lord developing, struggles, and so we pick one verse for each kid. And when I don't know what else to pray or when I'm overwhelmed, I just go through those four verses um, for that year. Um, while it was um, hard, I think, for all of us to pick one thing, but um, if I was going to um, pick one thing, I decided that I would have um, spent a lot less time uh, trying to mold my daughters into the girls that I wanted them to be and um, a lot more time observing them and knowing their God-given bent and who they were and encouraging them in that. Um, I think it's easy, um, even though we only had two, it was kind of easy to lump them together as the girls and expect the same things from each of them. And um, so while you do have expectations, knowing um, your kids bent and how they react best to things and um, how even they're loved well is um, really an important thing. That's great. Sally, I was wondering if you could talk to us about um, what parenting taught you about God. Um, Yes. Uh, I didn't become a believer until about three years before I had kids. Um, In my 20s, I went through a brief failed marriage. So when I became a believer, I think I probably struggled um, with the fact that um, God loves me. Then I had those two kids, and the immense love that I felt for them um, was overwhelming to me. Um, And I realized that I loved them uh, when they were perfect, and I loved them when they were 
driving me crazy. And um, as soon as I was mad at him, I was in love with him again uh, the next moment. And I delighted in them. And I then realized that I am God's child. And he loves me like that. He forgives me right away. And then he delights in me again. So um, I think that was uh, my biggest lesson. That's great. I'm curious, uh, let, Pam, let's start with you. I'm curious what you'd say. So to the parent who struggles with fear about their child's future or guilt over a past parenting mistake, share with us your thoughts on that. Well, my answer is kind of a bad news answer in that it never goes away. <laughs> There's just not ever a time, even when your um, children are grown and have their own families, that um, fears and struggles and worries about them uh, don't come into your life as a mom. So um, I would say that Early on, you need to know um, who the one you need to go to is with all those fears and worries. And um, as uh, Blake mentioned earlier, God is able to redeem anything in your lives, past um, parenting failures, etc. Um, my girls were not raised in a Christian home. I didn't know Jesus um, when I was raising when we were raising our girls and. Um, When our oldest daughter was in second grade, she had a a friend down the street who invited her to go to Sunday school with her every Sunday. And I think that's where her love for Jesus began. And in high school, she trusted Christ and shared that with her younger sister, who also trusted Christ. And um, through them and through their friends, um, Jesus revealed himself to me, and I trusted Christ. And um, several years after that, my husband did as well. And um, after that, my mother did. So in some ways, you can't imagine what um, God is going to redeem from what you think are bad parenting failures or worries about yourself. I'd also like to say that um, you know, bad parenting failures come in all different um, sizes and colors. And sometimes they make for good uh, stories to share later on when you get together uh, together for families at holidays. Um, when my girls were in about the first and third grade, I think they could probably tell you better. Um, I literally ran away from home. <laughs> my husband wasn't home, and I don't know whether they just... I can't remember the circumstances. They had pushed me to the edge. I took my car keys, I got on my car, and I left my house. And I was probably gone for an hour. They had no idea where I was. Or, we didn't have cell phones then. You didn't have instant communication. And um, so they managed to forgive me. But it is a pretty good story that we tell. And um, I, I don't know whether they've ever shared it with, their grandchildren, with my grandchildren. So I may have just opened up another can of worms here now since three of them are in the audience. But... Um, Anyway, so, you know, give yourself grace. Take heart and remember that um, God is the great forgiver and redeemer. That's awesome. Kara, what would you say to that, to parents who struggle with fear or guilt? Um, I agree with what Pam was saying, just confessing. Um, 
that those fears to the Lord. There's freedom in that. Um, I also believe it's very important to share with um, people around you, people you're doing life with, um, share those concerns and fears so they can come alongside you and pray with you and help hold you accountable and um, help you just pointing you towards the Lord. Um, There's one thing last week that um, when we went to the women's retreat, Jamie Ivey kind of shared um, just that we all worry about our kids and their salvation and that being this burden on us as parents. And um, I believe we as parents need to definitely point them to the Lord, pray with them and teach them about him. Um, But ultimately that burden is on him. And um, it was very freeing for me to hear her say that. Um, I've heard that before, but just something about that time with her speaking, it just really set in, and there was just great freedom there. Great. Okay, our next question. What advice do you have for protecting your marriage while raising kids? Uh, Sarah, would you mind kicking off that question for us? Um. I would have to say mine goes back to starting when Steve and I were first married. Um, I dealt with some abuse in my past, and um, we had a really tricky time, hard time with building our marriage when we were first married. And it was many years of struggle and pain, and um, watching my husband walk through me with that, along with some dear friends and my parents and people that loved us well. Um, we came to a point where I I just decided the Lord was like, listen, Sarah, you can go to freedom over here. It's going to be hard, but you can work through it. Or you can stay in this cycle. And I decided to come over here with him, even though it was hard and painful, and get freedom from all that. And so our marriage is a real priority for us. We love our kids dearly. Our kids know we're each, other, each other's priorities. So practically speaking... Um, we try to carve out time for dates. We talk when I really want to turn the TV on and not talk. I talk. <laughs> um, when my husband asked me to go away on a business trip at the end of May during the end of school, 20 parties, I go because it's worth it. It's worth the time together. It refreshes and renews. Um, so. That's great. Sally, what advice do you have for protecting our marriages? Yeah, I want you to give it, yeah. <laughs> it was really okay. good. <laughs> Mine's just really practical. Um, <laughs> I think my kids may have been bent this way, but um, put them to bed. <laughs> like early. <laughs> like till they're in high school, you know? <laughs> uh, that time was very important to us, um, you know, for all, all kinds of reasons, communication, etc. Uh, I'd also enlist um, the help of um, uh, your parents, the kids' grandparents, um, or friends that you can trade with so you guys can have getaway weekends. Um, what else did I say last time? <laughs> 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 yeah, well, put them to bed so you can kiss standing up is what I said last time. <laughs> That was my takeaway, so I appreciated that. Yeah, that's all I got, I think. Yeah. 
Oh, pay for babysitters. It's worth yes. it. Yeah, that's a good one. Good. Okay. Pam, why don't you talk to us about raising high school age kids? What are some particular advice or lessons that you have? Well, obviously, it's been a very long time since I raised high school kids. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, my oldest granddaughter is just finishing her freshman year in high school, so um, I'm watching that. But I'd say this, that uh, the foundation for surviving and thriving your kids in your kids' high school years starts way, way before they ever get to high school. So... Um, Invest in your children's lives in elementary school. Be a student of your um, children. Be an observer. Be um, quick to listen and slow to speak. Um, Get involved in schools. Uh, Make yourself known there. Um, Sometimes you'll embarrass your kids, but not very often. And in secretly, I think they're all really happy when um, people at the place where they are more often than they're awake in um, during their waking hours, um, know who their parents are and their family are, um, be it sporting events, dances, arts, whatever your children's interest is, even if it doesn't interest you, be there and be involved in their lives. Um, you have such great opportunities in all of those times to um, observe how your kids interact with their friends, to get to know their friends. Um, I know my girls used to laugh. Um, I, I, we were not helicopter parents, and I'm not um, ad- advocating that whatsoever, but we were really involved in their um, lives, and we knew their friends except for I knew all their names. Perry didn't know any of their names. (laughs) And the girls would be like, Dad. But he knew who they were, and um, that really um, mattered for a lot. Um, Establish safe communication early on. I think um, several other ladies have um, mentioned that. Be a place where your kids can come, and um, you're you're not going to fly off the handle or react badly and that they can feel safe and forgiven. And, um, you know, I realized uh, kind of early on that uh, when our oldest one could learn to drive, that we got to spend a lot less time together. (laughs) You don't realize how much you learn in uh, carpooling and all of those things, how many conversations you get to have and how much time it is. So take advantage of those. One of the other things that used to annoy my husband was that I always volunteered to pick up at the end of whatever event it was. He said, why do you do that? Like, you don't know what time the bus is going to get back. You don't know when they're going to come out from the dance. And I was like, oh, but you've learned a ton of things <laughs> listening to those kids in the car afterwards. So do it. <laughs> Whatever it takes, do it. So I would also tell you that um, even early on, like our early childhood, Trey made a pitch for that today, and um, our elementary, uh, our youth group, they, they're all places where you can volunteer under the radar and um, be able to observe your children and see how they interact with their friends and who their friends are. And um, my girls' high school years were some of the best years of my life. 
and um, I'm enjoying watching that happen even in our kids' lives and um, our grandkids' lives and being able to be able to be supportive of that. Um, For some, they're not such great years. And so if you have particularly hard years, I would encourage you to get help. Uh, either from um, a wise friend or um, someone on our staff. Uh, I would encourage you also, Joy and Jared in our youth department are great resources, and they would be happy to talk to any of you. That's great. Well, Sarah, I was wondering if you could give advice to, to people who are considering adoption or fostering. I don't know if I still don't feel equipped to answer this question, but... Um, I actually, looking back on our process, um, we just felt like it was something we could do. We didn't have some grand like lightning from the sky. We thought we could have another child and we could adopt. So let's do it. And really, the Lord led the way. I think we um, were very open with what we would accept and receive. And it was the scariest time of life, but the most fruitful and um, in our marriage. Um, I mean, I just remember driving down the road on the morning that we were going when Gracie Mae was born and we were just worshiping. The music was blaring. We were so scared because we were afraid she was going to say no. And um, there was nothing else to do but worship the Lord. And those kind of moments were, um, they're priceless. I wouldn't take them back. So Stick with it. It's hard. It's long. It's worth it in the Lord. Um, I feel like I'm just sitting sideline watching him paint a story. Through Gracie Mae's life. And all of our lives. And I'm grateful to be a part of it. Well, Kara, what's one encouragement or piece of advice that you would give to parents of children with special needs? Um, uh, We had Becca. She's five. And um, we had no idea she had Down syndrome when um, I was pregnant with her. So we found out in the delivery room. And um, there was just kind of a, a sense of despair when we had her just... Um, just the nurses, the doctors, I'm really sorry. Um, she might not do these things. And, um, and definitely Brad and I had redefined our expectations for her. Um, when you are pregnant and you have your, you, these dreams of, oh, they're going to get married and go to, co- or go to college, get married, and um, have kids of their own, that's, that's a different reality for Becca. Um, but... In the same breath, um, God has a purpose for her, has a purpose for all of our kids, and um, we can't limit Becca to what she, you know, can. She just amazes us um, every day and has really helped us uh, celebrate the little things that she does. Um, You know, we were told she would have trouble talking and um, that process would take a long time and walking, everything would take longer. And she's just, um, just crushed all of those doubters of, um, 
just saying that she might not or it will take longer. She's just um, amazed us in that. And there's so much joy and um, that she's taught us. And so um, I would just encourage families that um, are walking through that, that there's, there's joy in that. There's so many things we've seen the Lord do in just the short time she's been with us. And, um, yeah, it's been a blessing. That's great. Thank you. Well, ladies, thank you so much for being willing to talk to us today. If you guys would join me in saying thank you to them. Well, thank, thank you all for being with us this morning. I want to take a moment to pray for you and to pray for all of us to walk with the Lord this week. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good and gracious God. We thank you that all of the best qualities that we see in moms are amplified and perfected in you. We thank you that you are a God of infinite compassion, that you are a God of infinite love, that you are a God of infinite wisdom. And so even the best moms and best dads here can't measure up to your goodness, God. We thank you that you love our kids more than we do. And we thank you that in that love, you have committed to work in their lives for good. And so we praise you for that, Lord, and we pray that that truth would set free anyone here this morning who is wrestling with guilt or with fear, that they would sense your bigness, your greatness, your love, and your wisdom, and that they would trust you to bring good even when things are hard. We thank you for the willingness of of these four ladies, Lord, to speak about their own stories and how you are working in and through them. We thank you for their testimonies, and we pray that that their words would, um, would, would be a blessing to every, every mom here, that every mom would be able to take away some piece of encouragement or some idea that would help them through this week. We pray that you would be with the moms in this room, that you would bless them, protect them, and help them believe, to believe that what they're doing really matters and that you see it and that you are pleased with it. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for anyone here today who is suffering, who is grieving, maybe uh, women who want to be moms and, and aren't for one reason or another, or, or people who lost their mom recently, or people who've lost a child or had a child rebel. Lord, we, we pray that your grace would be heavy upon them today, that they would know your compassion and your love. We pray that for all the women in the room, Lord, that it would just be crystal clear to them that their worth and value and identity is found in Christ and not whether or not they're moms, that all of their significance is wrapped up in the greatness of you. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would be with us and help us to walk with you this week. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great Mother's Day.